Welcome to Hit for Six. We're back again. Michael, how are you? Still surviving lockdown? Yeah, I'm good actually. I uh, took up one of the lockdown staples, got the old trimmers out yesterday and clippers rather and shaved the head. So feeling very aerodynamic today. Um, and, yeah, did you do it I'm yourself or did you get, uh, get someone to do it for you? But, um, um, so my, I'm staying at my girlfriend's, her cousin did it, because he did it last week, it looked pretty good on him, so I got a bit jealous, so got him to do it to me yesterday. And yeah, I was pretty happy with it, and then in the evening, me and her made some um, bibimbap, which you might have had before, Rob, it's a nice Korean dish. Um, lots of different vegetables, rice, a fried egg on top, a bit of chilli sauce, it was really nice actually. So yeah, it was a good day yesterday, how about yourself? Um, yeah, okay. I, obviously, it's a bank holiday weekend. The weather's been lovely. Yesterday, I was incredibly depressed because it was supposed to be the first game of the, the season, first league game of the season. Uh, and it was a beautiful sunny day. I went for a run. I was listening to Exodus in 2005 on TMS. And it was all fantastic, but it just should have been so much better because I should have been playing cricket myself. Back at Oxshot, new season. Oh, I, it, that's what it was meant to be all about. Uh, and sadly, it wasn't. So I, I felt a little bit low that I wasn't playing cricket yesterday. Did you like throw a tennis ball around a little bit or, so, or anything to try and replicate? Oh, no, but I, I went for a run out where my, my, near my cricket club is. So I drove out there, it's kind of out in Surrey, and went for a run in on Oxshot Heath, which I'd never done before. It was really nice. So that was kind of like, uh, a, that was like a tribute to them. And then, well, also... Uh, they've kind of my cricket club have had this little World Cup going on where it was like you'd vote for your favourite player, a knockout stage from a from a last thirty-two through to the final. Needless to say, I got knocked out in the first round. Although I, I, I did okay, I didn't get smashed in my first round. I lost like fifty-eight, forty-two or something. But nonetheless, it was the it was the grand final yesterday, and I know it ended up going to a bowl off. It was all very exciting. So um, that gave me a little bit of cricket flavour, but sadly. Uh, not not the same as as playing. I had a similar. I went in the area I'm in. I knew there was a cricket club about twenty minutes walk away, and so I just said I'm going to go off and walk myself today. Took an incredible with me, and I was really just hoping in the back of my mind the nets would be open, and I might just be able to bowl a little bit in the nets. Um, and I walked all the way there, and it was a very nice ground, but very overgrown. Obviously, lots of um, geese running around, but. Um, yeah, the nets were completely locked off, no access, which made me a bit sad. So I just chucked the ball about in the outfield a bit, then came home. That says it all, really. Yeah, not our best. But hey, things could be worse. So uh, can't complain too much. We're at the moment, aren't we, Michael? We're going through our uh, sort of England 11 of our lifetime, our living memory. So sort of 2000 through 2020. One player at a time, one position at a time. So we started last week with the opening openers. Well, just one opener. Easy decision, Alistair Cook. But today it's who's going to join him. And so uh, who, who, who are your candidates then? Who have you got your eye on? He might be our, our second opener in our composite 11 from sort of the new millennium onwards. So an obvious answer is uh, Andrew Strauss, you know, Cook's main partner in crime, England legend himself. Over 10 death centuries, winner of an Ashes abroad in Australia, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and role now, you know, all of that. But um, we did also say, Cook, uh, Captain Cook at the other end, he's not, not the most aggressive opener. So we were saying we might want a bit more of an aggressive partner for him at the other end. I'm not sure if Strauss quite fits that mould. A little bit more aggressive, maybe, but not quite fitting that dominant opener mould. 
So then I guess you've got to go to the other candidates. Marcus Scothic, definitely a candidate. We, um, we're going to talk a little about 2005 Ashes today because it's been being replayed on Sky and TMS, I think. And um, yeah, Scothic was absolutely class. But then my slightly more rogue, but still, I think, viable candidate for our lifetime would be Michael Vaughan, um, who obviously had an absolutely wonderful 2002 um, as opener and actually averaged higher as opener than I think anywhere else in the England batting lineup during his career. So I think he's my other um, potential candidate. How about yourself? Yeah, so I think I think yeah, the obvious one for me, Strauss, Strauss and Triscothic, and then and then for me, go you know, stretch my memory back to when I was a real little nipper. But Michael Aston, who obviously was played throughout the nineties, but then Clifton Sage very early two thousands, and he was a just a bastion at the top of the order, uh, and surely would have had a like his career stats aren't fantastic, but he was opening the the batting at a time of Glenn McGrath, Wazzy Macra. Yeah. Courtney Walsh, Curtly Ambrose, Alan Donald, etc. And so uh, really did hold himself up against the very best. And so he was someone I was thinking of, but I, I partly feel like as I wasn't alive, Dash, well, I was alive, it was still in nappies when he was at the real peak of his powers, maybe he doesn't quite qualify for selection. So, yeah, Triscothing and Strauss for me, I, I, if I was going to have a call, maybe more in the middle order personally, partly because I think. Although I, I take your point, he, he opened the batting well. And I remember the first time actually going to watch him, the very first time I saw England play, him and Triscothic opened the batting against Sri Lanka, I believe it was. But uh, I think he could be well positioned at three. There aren't that many prime candidates for three. So he's someone I'd want to hold back for maybe a later discussion. So, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think Strauss is one of the main candidates. I think that's fair. I think for me as well, like a lot of other... Um, English school children my age I think my real love for cricket was mainly ignited in 2005 with that wonderful Ashes series so I think Vaughan as opener would probably be a little bit too early for me just wanted to chuck it in there as an alternative um, but no I mean seeing as 2005 was the year I really started to love cricket Triscothic would be a very suitable candidate for me so should we start with um, should we start with him Rob? Well yeah he I suppose the obvious drawbacks for Marcus Triscothic is that his career wasn't as long as it could have been. He struggled abroad, both at times technically, but obviously more you know, mentally and, and found it very difficult playing playing abroad. Does mean that he kind of you feel his career was one of unfulfilled potential rather than just for instance, the Strauss is someone you feel well, he really did fulfil his potential in so many ways, both as a captain and as a player. Uh us like great series victories against top sides. So to Scott, he just kind of felt was that brilliant talent who never quite, never quite was what he, what he should have been. I, I wonder if that, maybe that's harsh, but it just feels like it's a slight, not a black mark against his name at all. And like the reasons why he stopped playing for England uh, and didn't want a tour, I think are totally understandable and legitimate. And he doesn't like, warrant criticism to those per se in, in any way. But yeah, I wonder if that just means he's kind of, yeah, not the player he could or should have been. And in my mind, that just, Means I don't hold him perhaps in the same the same regard as I, I might a Strauss or a Cook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a sense of unfulfilled potential destiny, whatever you want to call it. I don't know though. I mean, when we're considering this all-time England eleven, whether county exploits should be considered as part of it. But I mean, he then did go away and score absolutely stacks of county centuries, which you know, not the same as international runs, but still. An incredible achievement, and you know, played for Somerset until last year, I believe. Like, um, incredibly long career, you know, at a high level. 
Um, and I guess also for me, like what I said last week was a lot of, uh, I think a very big uh, criteria for picking this team is based on that sort of feeling, based on those emotions and like incredible moments. And he was a really key part of, for me, the greatest series of my lifetime and some say the greatest series ever. Um, and he, the way he, and it was the way he took the attack to the Australians in 2005 and he opened as that pinch hitting, in that pinch hitting role sort of standing up to and saying, we're not going to be dominating this series by you. And for me, that, that, that puts a lot of credit in the bank for this, um, for this uh, discussion. Yeah, and he, and he was a top, top performer for those three, four years, 2002, three, through to, to 2005. I'm pretty sure he scored over a thousand runs in the calendar year in 2003, 2004 and 2005, which is highly impressive. Talking about that 2005 series, that op- the opening day of the Eggleston test, scored a brilliant 90. I was literally watching it a couple of days ago and really took the, the attack to the Australian bowlers. He's a wonderful stroke player. And there was that, obviously, he kind of his England career sort of fizzled out and came to an end just as Cook was starting to come into the team. And you do kind of look back and think, wow, that would have been a great opening partnership. Cook and yeah. Scott, they felt they would have complemented each other so well. Uh, he wasn't something we kind of were too concerned about at the time because Strauss did so well. Uh, but, that, yeah, and, you know, he's kind of, his, his stats in general, you know, all, just under 6,000 test runs, an average of, what, 43, 44, so well, well into the 40s. You know, he was also senior, like, he was also a pretty senior part of the setup, wasn't he? Yeah, he, captain, he definitely captained England on, on, on a test or two as kind of a, a, a backup to, to Vaughan at one stage when he wasn't around. Uh, he was a de- decent slip fielder as well. Took, took plenty of catches. He was, um, he was, he was sucking the Murray mints and keeping the ball shiny during 2005. Like you get the sense all round until his unfortunate difficulties. You know, in 2006, you get the sense that he was an absolutely crucial part of the side in a lot of ways, and you can imagine a very popular part of the side. Uh, yeah, and across all formats as well, because he was a key player in that one day team in a time when a one day team is fairly average. He was a, a quality player at the top of the order, scored a, like a load of te- uh, one-day centuries, you know, definitely you know, upwards of 10. I think, I think it was 12 in total, uh, which is you know, still one of the hearts of any England, England one-day player going. Um, and yeah, although while his county career shouldn't really kind of come into it uh, in this sense, because you know, there's many, many a player like a Mark Rampkash or Graham Hick who were dominant in county cricket for, for decades, but never cracked it still to kind of have to score up to 25,000 first class runs, keeping average over 40, well batting well into your 40s. It's testament to like, what a talented and just high quality player he, he was. And I think that comparison there with Hick and Mampkash is interesting, right? Because like you said, they've absolutely dominated county cricket, but they didn't crack test cricket. And I don't think you could say the same for Marcus Shkovic. Marcus Shkovic did crack international cricket. And it wasn't his lack of ability to crack it that stopped him having the international career he perhaps should have. It was other factors, which I think would be very harsh to count against him. So I think he doesn't really belong in that bracket with them. Oh, then, no, definitely and, not. And, and his, kind of his, his record, yeah, record speaks for itself. And it's not like he even, although we kind of suggested that he had a half-baked England career, played yeah, 70-plus test matches. He played in one of the most iconic series of all times. And he was a key part of that first part of that Duncan Fletcher side. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if this should be facts into discussion, but he also wrote a brilliant book 
And I don't know if you've read Andy Strauss's autobiography, but it is a snooze fest. So if you're going to, if that's going to come into play um, for literary reasons, which maybe shouldn't, but if it does, Scoffit's got a clear lead. Yeah, well, no, I sadly, I haven't read Marcus Scoffit's book, but I have read Andrew Strauss's. It isn't the best read in the world. And I mean, in his defence, he wrote it himself. So he didn't get a ghostwriter. <laughs> maybe it wasn't a great decision. Because Look, yeah. I, had the, I had the readings of someone who got a 2-1 on economics from Durham. Like it was, it was graphically correct. It was fine. It was very readable, but it wasn't, yeah, a, a great literary work. And the problem I had with it, I read it on holiday straight after reading Mike Tyson's autobiography. And a lot of these autobiographies, kind of sports autobiographies, they try and sort of paint these pictures of, of low points and high points in life. Uh, and Strauss's book, of course, was it was written and published before uh, his wife got ill and sadly died. So there's none of that kind of real personal tragedy in it. So as a result, the only real low point in his life is when he was averaging 20 for Middlesex 2s for a season. So when you compare that to Mike Tyson, brought up in the streets in the Bronx, um, had a gun when he was not even a teenager, involved in drugs from a very early age, convicted of rape, which he believes was a wrong, wrongful conviction, you kind of, it starts to paint a, it was, it was a bit of a stark comparison between Mike Tyson and Andrew Strauss. And it did make him look incredibly middle class and boring so <laughs> I, I, I wonder if he wrote another one later in life which then reflected back more on his time as an administrator and obviously the sad death of his wife and then the setting up of the Ruth Strauss Foundation and all those kind of things whether it be all the richer because his career his cricket career really was of a a nice bloke he was good at cricket worked hard and did pretty well which is a yeah. nice story but not maybe a a, a brilliant story so a funny story about Strauss, apparently from very early on in his county days, I think the um, initials FEC were put onto his locker or like carved into his locker or something at Middlesex. And um, he always said it stood for future England captain. And um, word has it that it stood for something much, much ruder, which I'll let you work out for yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that, of course, is, was Mike, Mike Aston's nickname from literally when he was about, when he was at Cambridge all the way through was yeah, future England captain because it was it was for them it was so obvious and that's what he was going to be. Well, and indeed, both of them ended up ended up being that. So, so when we come to Strauss, then I mean, ultimately he he obviously had a great career, but I, I wonder if his main the main reason we hold him in such high regard was because he was a captain of a very successful team rather than for his batting itself. So of course. Ashes 2009, he took over just before that. We won that at home. Then had that brilliant Ashes series went away and went on to thrash India at home in 2011, taking us to be the number one side in the world. The first time that England had formally been that since the rankings had been introduced. Yes. And so, undoubtedly, one of England's most successful and, and best captains. I think, for his, I think uh, for his batting, I think the thing that strikes me about Andrew Strauss and it's a thing my dad always says a lot is he's someone who got absolute maximum value out of his talent he squeezed every last bit of potential he had out and you know and you could and he what he had three shots pretty much right he had the pull the cut and the square drive and he made apt and those were all those, those were his scoring shots and he made a very successful international career out of three shots and apart from that, he was pretty circumspect, you know, played solidly. And if it was there to be hit there, he'd, he'd take that opportunity. And I think there's a lot to be admired, actually, about that. But he definitely, if you then compare him to other people who are being picked in this team, 
potentially not quite as naturally raw talented, you'd say. And I think they'd also, I'd have an issue with picking him and Cook at the top of order because obviously they were a fantastically successful opening partnership, but you wouldn't have that defensive aggressive combination we wanted. Yeah, um, although, although I mean that that didn't hold England back at all for the long no. period of time they opened the batting together, uh, and, and you got a lot of time to bat. Uh, in cricket and if we're looking ahead to a, a side that may or may not include the likes of uh, Joe Root, Kevin Peterson, Ben Stokes, Andrew Flintoff, there's plenty of scoring potential there and so I don't, I don't think there's any need for a, an opening pair that come out and start smashing it all around the park a la sort of Sri Lanka late 90s. I think one can be, you'd, you'd rather an opening pair that dug in, saw the new ball. Oh yeah, absolutely. And scored runs and, and were successful, successful together. So I, I certainly don't want that holding him back. I, I just wonder if, you know, his average, unlike Cook and Tristothic, which their average is, what, 44, 43, respectively. I'm looking at it now. It's, it's 40.91, which is still excellent. It's above that 40 mark, which for any opening batsman is a sign of a good player. But it's not quite as good. Uh, and he, he just kind of... He used to feel like he was, a, he was a good player and a very, very, very good captain, rather than... Cook, who was a, a great player and quite a good captain. Yeah, that's kind of how, how, how I see them. And so I wonder, it's maybe a discussion to have now whether Strauss would be, would be your captain for this team. Because if he, if he was, then I think, you know, then if you think he is the best England captain of the last 20 years, which I think he probably was, then he, he almost certainly, maybe he does warrant selection. But as a player alone, you know, I don't think he's got the talent or ability of, of Triscothic. And so I, I'd be inclined to to maybe go towards the Scottish on that, on that. He would. I'll be honest, if we picked him, he probably would be my captain. But I'm not sure if we can pick him just based on that. Because um, as I think through the rest of the team who might likely be picked, and yeah, is he the best captain in the last 20 years? He, he may well be. So, um, other than potentially Michael Vaughan, who I think was a wonderful captain and a real gift for actually, in terms of the tactical and the player motivation side of it. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if we're doing Strauss a little bit of a disservice here, because obviously he, he averaged 40, and he, there were some absolutely wonderful innings. The first test of the, um, in Brisbane of that victorious 2011 Ashes series in Australia. Um, and then thinking not just test, but also like one day. Do you remember that test, that one day at World Cup game he tied of India? And he hit that unbelievable 150-odd. That was uh, a great knock. Yeah, and Liam Plunkett, a very late six as well, that I remember. It was absolutely huge. Uh, but that, that, was, uh, that was a great 100 from Strauss. It was insane, wasn't it? It was absolutely insane. It's called 100 on debut. Come at the end and just plonk a six over to um, level the scores or something. Yeah, and he, 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 yeah, he, he did. And he scored 100 on debut, which, is, uh, which I think is always uh, impressive. And so, but I'm looking, I, I just wonder whether he wasn't kind of consistently that dominant. So, I mean, he... Over his, what, eight-year career, he only averaged over 40 for three calendar years. So 2004, 2008, 2009. Otherwise, a lot of stuff in the 30s. You know, he just kind of, he thought he was, he was, all, he was all right, not great. He was like a, a Dean Elgar rather than a Graham Smith. If you oh, know. I do like Dean Elgar. Yeah, I like Dean Elgar. He's a very good player. Uh, and likewise, I like Andy Stouse. He's a very good player. But he's not, yeah, I just, I just... I mean, basically, I think, all, all I'm trying to say is I think Marcus Descothic was better at cricket. Yeah, I think so, I agree. And Descothic just makes... Descothic, you know, you want to watch him bat. He uh, empties the bars, doesn't fill them. And just he adds a little bit of gold dust to the team, which I would um, 
try to be in favour of. So I'd be very for Marcus Triscothic. And we'll find a captain somewhere. Yeah, we will. I mean, let's be honest, it's going to end up being KP, isn't it? Uh, for, I mean, I, I might have thrown him as a controversial choice of skipper. But no, I mean, I, not controversial anything, Rob. So we're going to have to, uh, we're going to, have, to have a ding-dong over that one. Yeah, I, I think we will. I think it, and this, I think ultimately it has to be said, I think this, this, these discussions will get more heated and um, more disagreeable as time goes on. But I, I think really when we think of opening, opening batsmen, Cooks, Strauss and Triscothic have been the, uh, and obviously the athlete at the start of his career, Vaughan for a period of time, but we might put them in the middle order. They're the only candidates because anyone who's, who's opened the batting for England since Strauss retires, like obviously along with Cook, was just so poor. So we've had so many openers who just haven't delivered. They're the only ones who've consistently scored runs. And yeah, I, I think it's fair to say Cook obviously had his shoulders above most openers throughout the cricketing world for the last 20, 30 years. And then, yeah, yeah Triscothic a great talent. And uh, one, I think, warrant selection just ahead of Andrew Strauss, who was himself a good player, just a very, very good player and a great captain. Would, would um, just interesting one, we picked Cook and Scroffey, would they have played together? Would they have opened together for England? Um, the only- they definitely played together because Cook batted three. A, a, Cook, Cook batted three a few times. So it was, I think there was the... Um, India series, right? Yeah, and Pakistan came in, two, yeah, in 2006 as well at home. I'm sure Cook batted three and Triscothic and Strauss opened the batting. I see, yeah. and they definitely played in the same side, but not for long. And... Uh, not not really rarely opening together because it was is that Strauss and Scott that were a settled opening partnership and so eventually although he, he yeah he ultimately he came in at three at first before moving up to to open and score bags and bags of runs. I bet Jason Roy's gutted he didn't get into this uh, discussion for uh, best England opener. Well, so, well, I mean, if we were doing a one if we were doing a one day a best one day team, oh, I mean, yeah, for, yeah. for me, I'd go Roy and Roy and Triscothic probably because uh, no, that's harsh on Bears though. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I think I might p- pick Bairstow elsewhere on the side. And uh, to, to, to score this one-day record was absolutely incredible, given how poor a team we were and the strike rate he used to score at in that era. Uh, yeah. I, I think for Scotland and Roy would have been, would, almost certainly would have been my, my picks. But for this, this test team, for Scotland and Cook seems like a fair, uh, a fair selection. Yeah. That was good fun. I think probably, actually, as we were saying before we started recording, Rob, the 2005 Ashes deserves a whole episode on its own. So, should we park that for a future time? Oh, yes, certainly. It would be great to discuss that series more in depth and at length. I've got, I've picked up the DVD box set from my dad the other day. So, I've got it at home for a bit of later quarantine. supplies. Yeah, and so I'm, uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to working my way through that. Hopefully with Sophia. Hopefully maybe it will just make a catch the, the bug of, what that series was like. Because for me, actually, it was a, an earlier series, a 2003 England-South Africa series that like, really caught my imagination for cricket. And uh, it was from then on that I loved it. So the 2004 summer, New Zealand and West Indies came over. I followed it relentlessly. Uh, but then it was like a, a whole new thing, the Ashes. Because I, I do vaguely remember it in 2001 and then both 2002 or three when we, when we were in Australia. It was not doing very well and it being okay. But I, I hadn't really kind of, Factored in that when Australia come over, it's a bigger deal than New Zealand or South Africa or the West Indies. And then suddenly this wonderful series just kind of took off. It was incredible. It was, it was superb. But um, no, we'll discuss it in, in full, where we were for key moments, all the rest of it, another time. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll draw it to a close there, Michael. 
So there we have it, Cook and Discothic as our openers. Who is going to be number three? Do let us know who you think it should be, and we'll be back probably a little bit later in the week to discuss that all-important position. Cheers, Rob.